Okay, everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, Neil, how's it going this week, man? Uh, I'm pretty burned, but, uh, you know, just a few more weeks until we uh, get to leave for winter break, so. Mm-hmm. How much time do you get off for Christmas? Uh, like two and a half weeks. Nice, nice. And are you coming back to um, come back to the Midwest for that? Uh, yeah, I am. Okay, so hey, if you're in the area, hit me up. Um, see what we'll see what's shaking out. Um, Gideon, how's it going, man? Doing good, man. Um, man, I've been on a roll. Like on movies, I've been watching a shit ton of movies lately, and I've been making a list of like ten games I'm gonna try and beat yeah. before I allow myself to buy <laughs> any more new games. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. my backlog is just so insane. Um and yeah we've we've been going ham on Returnal we had like yep. two different play sessions and that was yep. sweet playing it co op mm-hmm. uh, almost got that knocked out Horizon will be done by the weekend yeah um so yeah I'm feeling good yeah I am an evangelist for Returnal I think that that it is shameful that that game doesn't get more credit and didn't sell better than it did so I'm like if you know anybody ever wants to play co op on on Returnal I'm like I'm I'm doing it I'm there we're gonna get you through Same. this game. Like we're gonna get you to the end. We're gonna get you to those end credits. My my friend, I was talking to him about it, and he he's like wary of like more difficult stuff because he's like, I play yep. games to relax, and I'm like, I will do anything for oh. you to play Returnal. Like, yeah, just like you said, I will I will buy it. My like, you take my copy, I'll buy a digital copy, and we'll play co-op. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the, is this game? um, uh, it is. It, it's on PS5, but there's a PC version of it now oh, yeah, um, as well. So it's a third-person shooter, but it's a roguelike. And Sci-fi. it's a developer that used to make um, like traditional 2D bullet hell games like Ikaruga and things like that. So um, it is like a crazy amount of projectiles all over the screen, but you have a dodge with iframes. Um, and the I think the really interesting thing about it is the story and the setting where it's like a, it's like a, you play as a woman who's crash landed on an alien planet. And then every time she dies on the planet, she has to relive the crash. And that's kind of the roguelike mechanic of it. Um, yeah, just super good in that the art style is very um, evocative of like H.R. Geiger and Alien and, and things like that. So just really cool game. I'll send you a trailer afterwards. Very um, cool. Hard sci fi game. Now that I've now that I'm kind of thinking like now that I've got Returnal and Eraserhead in, in my brain at the same time now I'm kind of thinking about how uh, th- this is something that Princeton and I have discussed in the past and we can certainly get into this later in the podcast how like you you said your friend was like you know I just want to play games to relax that's exactly the opposite of how I feel about like games and movies and music and like everything it's like if it's not like destroying me then I'm not interested. You know what I mean? Like, I'm interested in nines and tens and ones and twos and everything in between. I'm like, you know, yeah. miss, even, miss me with that shit. Even me with, um, I just really like sad things. So, like, we were, yeah. I was talking about, you know, I'm sure we're going to get to war movies at some point. And I'm like, the more devastating, the more mm-hmm. impactful, the more important historically, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited, but I'm sure it's going to ruin me. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Uh, so I'm going to get back to you in a minute, Gideon, because I want to ask you about seeing Godzilla. But Princeton, how's it been going, man? All right, real quick. We've talked about 1916, right? My favorite. Or 1917. 1917. That movie rocks. And I keep saying, like, Neil hasn't seen it. That is Neil's favorite movie that he's never seen. Oh, wow. Neil would like that, I think. Yeah. Um, 
Did we we haven't like seen it collectively then? We'll probably no. do an episode. We talked about it, but I think it we had all recently watched it or something. So it was oh right. Uh, I would the, definitely watch it again. I, the I first yeah, war yeah. February. Thinking about <laughs> thinking about devastating war movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um no, I'm good, man. Uh just like Neil, I've got my Christmas break penciled in here. I, I took two mm-hmm. weeks, so I think I mentioned it. Can't come soon enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you oh, are coming back to... We might overlap in the Twin Cities if Neil if Neil's back near the border, too. You're not going to be back by this uh, Saturday, are you? No, the next weekend. Oh, okay, cool. My uh, my band is playing da- uh, downtown at this uh, big German beer hall bar uh, right oh. across from the um, the Bob Dylan mural downtown. It's called Glex. Um, pretty cool place. We've, we're kind of a haunt there. We play there probably once a month or something like that. So, um, What's the new band play? Because you used to do uh, like Strokes. Yeah, Strokes, Strokes songs. So I mean, I've got two going on. I've got one originals band where I write all basically all the music. Um, and then I've got a just a bar cover band where I'm just making a little money on the side. It's like, you don't want to, if, if you want to make money in Minnesota as a musician, you better learn how to play Don't Stop Believing and you better do it well. Um, <laughs> so this is That's that. That's so that's um, awesome. Uh, the, 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 that, that's okay though. Um, yeah, whenever you're in town, let me know. We can uh, we can we got the hookups. So we we just went to this awesome Chinese food uh, to, place tonight for takeout uh, called Rainbow Room. It's only like a five minute drive away from uh, my apartment here in Uptown. So that was a um, yeah, that place rocks. Uh, not the dumpling place that we went to that one time. Um, no, no, that's in Bloomington. I know, I know the place you're talking about. Um, and if you guys hear anything in the background, let me know. That's Grace playing a power washing simulator, um, which is her new favorite game of the year. Is that real? Um, yes, it is a game where you just you you have a power washing business and you just spray vans and houses and what are you spraying right now? She's cleaning up a fire station right now. There you go. I'll be Very cathartic. Was... Good, good podcast you, game. You know, like kids playing power washing simulator, like could easily just make money starting a power washing business. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's a good point. It, well, they get the you, practice in. You know, getting, you said it's a good podcast game, and I was going to agree with you, but I actually got sucked into it so hard the other day that I was playing it without a podcast, and I sat there for like two hours just... You're like, turn the headphones up, hear that water spray. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was what good. about like after the first mission is over, and then you like go home, you, you know, you drive the truck into the shop, you get out, your wife is, you know, talking about what to do for dinner and your kids are crying. Uh-huh. You know, they have, maybe in uh, maybe in the full release, I think it's like early access at this point, but maybe we could like crowdfund to get it to that point. So that, that, that's the planned DLC. Yeah, <laughs> I, there I, I'm is. I'm really looking forward to uh, unexpected fourth pregnancy DLC. Oh yeah! Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Clean, clean the disgusting like shit heap car that you bought that you didn't need or something. Mm-hmm. Power yeah. washer. I just better. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, so, so, so sometimes this is a little unrelated, but uh, based on what Guinea just said, sometimes like, uh, I still see Facebook posts from friends from where I grew up who never left the small Iowa town that we grew up in. Mm-hmm. So hereby referred to as townie posts. Mm-hmm. So one of these guys was trying to sell his car on Facebook marketplace. 
and you know he's going over the you know like it's a you know Ford uh, like it's like a Ford Taurus 2008 however many miles like decent condition for how old it is and how many miles blah 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 and then he starts posting the pictures and like the outside looks like okay like you know if you're if you're trying to sell this thing you know maybe you could have you know taken it to the car wash before you took these photos but whatever mm-hmm. you know like being picky but then he shows the interior and it's just like two inches of like accumulated dirt and crap and like soda cans and cigarette butts and like my guy and you're 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 trying to sell this man like like, he, like I, I i see that i'm asking for like fifteen hundred dollars you telling me i i get all that extra for free <laughs> Exactly. That reminds me of uh, the first Unify event I think I ever went to. Tony Mangelo gave me a ride, and it was like there was like two inches of ketchup packets lining the uh, the floor of the vehicle. It was it was pretty disgusting. Tony used to make me drive his car to Neo's farm. I don't know why he wanted me to drive. I can't remember mm. but that thing. the The power steering and brakes in that car had left like a decade before we stepped into it, and. Mm. You know, so, somehow I'm convinced that that car is going to outlive all of us. But whenever Tony um, would drive, he would tail semis like with three feet of clearance. It was, it was the most nerve-wracking shit I've ever experienced in my life. He, he, On a car with no a car with no brakes. So you know, right? Alex, you don't understand. He has to save the gas money by getting that slipstream like <laughs> wind resistance. Right, getting that pocket. <laughs> just to paint the picture fully, do any of you know what nerdcore rap is? Oh God, yeah, it's, I the only, it's the only thing that Tony would play in his car. Oh God, complete. I'll need examples. I'm curious. Okay. So, I'm gonna relate this back to movies in a really um, obscure way. So. Do any of you know who the actress James Ma- uh, Jane Mansfield was? No. Wait, wait, was he the main character in Razorhead? Or no, uh, no, 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 no. Um, okay. So Jane Mansfield was a 1950s uh, actress, 1960s, kind of in the same vein as Marilyn Monroe, right? Like kind of an off-brand Marilyn Monroe type. Okay, um, yeah, I got like it. Bombshell, bombshell blonde. Um. She was riding in a car in uh, sometime in the 60s that was tailing a semi too closely and then got in a crash and yep. the back end of the of the semi uh, basically destroyed their car and like ripped part of her head off. And so yeah, she's dead. And ever since then, there's been a law that the back of semi trucks have to have that bar along the bottom of them. And that's called yep. a Mansfield bar after James Man- Jane Mansfield. Yep. Yeah. Because Boys. of a horrific accident. Yeah. First thing my dad taught me, like, never tail a semi. Mm-hmm. Really, never tail anybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Before, like Even before Alex knew how to walk, his dad was just like, <laughs> never tail a semi. Tell you what, that's what, that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna whisper that I'm gonna sing that to my uh, kids as they fall asleep. Mm. Yeah. Um, There's no yeah, reason. I, I'm, I'm a very defensive driver. I mean, like, yeah, I get mad driving just like everybody else. But like, the secret to like never getting in a crash or anything is just to be like, hey, you know what? Other person that's being an idiot, do what you got to do. Get it, go around me. Mm-hmm. You know, you just go do whatever it is. You get into a crash 500 feet away from me. 
but Just I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to stop you from like getting into my lane. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're crazy enough to try that, like, you know, what else are you crypt to, you know, try to spin me out on the, on the fucking I-95. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not about to do anything crazy on the road. Maybe that makes me a boring person, but whatever. I've also never been in a car accident. So I guess that um, speaks for itself. And I'm still driving my high school car. Um, it's had its check engine light on for three years, but you know, honestly, badge of honor. Yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm not trade. And my mom, my mom and dad, every year I'm home for Christmas. They're like, "Oh, you should trade that thing in. You should get something new and nice." Because I think it's a very like boomer instinct to be like, "You need to get a new car and put yourself in debt like all the time." Do not. Like, but yeah, I'm like, yeah. Listen, as long as it, as long as it drives and it's not like a total death trap, you know, I'm driving yeah. that that sucker into the ground. Um, exactly. So, uh, Gideon, tell me about your excursion to the movie theater. So, yeah, well, we saw Godzilla Minus One, I think, maybe last Tuesday or, like, week before that. Um, and ever since, I've been obsessing and watching a shit ton of Godzilla movies. So, we watched Shin Godzilla, like, Friday. Then we watched, we started to catch up on the Monsterverse movies, which is, like, the newer American ones. Right. Which started Godzilla 2014. So, we watched that um yesterday we watched kong skull island we basically watched everything on Whoa. streaming my guy you uh, yeah i mean i i went crazy we watched so godzilla 2014 we watched godzilla king of the monsters 2019 we watched kong skull island by renting the blu-ray from the library which was dope uh we watched what the fuck was it um we watched the original godzilla Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm definitely gonna rewatch that for the episode, the upcoming episode. Um, but yeah, I've just been all in on Godzilla. Um, Kong Skull Island was like a cheesy, awesome, just like action movie. It was great. Um, mm-hmm. and I've just been living for it. And now I'm super hype. Uh, I have the 4K Blu-ray of Godzilla versus Kong, and I've seen it a few times, but we're gonna rewatch it together, and I can't wait. And then we got. Godzilla and Kong New Empire in March or April next mm. year. So I'm fucking amped and Godzilla minus one was sick. Yeah. Um and it is super interesting seeing Godzilla minus one and then the original and comparing the two stories and things. Yeah. Um so it'll be very interesting to talk about then when we get to mm. that. Yeah, I absolutely. Wait. I've 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 seen little bits and pieces of the original Godzilla on TV, but I've never watched it all the way through. Um, I also saw minus one over the weekend in at a uh, Alamo draft house. First time I've been to an Alamo. Um, that was a super great experience. Um, had a nice Pilsner beer with the movie, had a large popcorn with real butter nice. as opposed to canola oil. So that was really good. Um, yeah, I had a couple had some pretzels, you know, had a big icy Coke. It was nice. It was, it was, yeah, it was a nice time. Uh, and they had a little like 30 minutes before the show started they had like all these things that would play before the movie that were all about the history of Godzilla and telling you oh, about that's like awesome. Toho and telling you about like the American ones and telling you about like how the rights worked out and telling you about how like all the movies were made. And then, wow. you know, five minutes before the actual movie started, they had a thing that played that was like, Hey, don't be on your cell phone. Don't talk or we're going to boot you out of the theater. But it was Godzilla. It was like a Godzilla puppet show sketch 
made specifically for people who are coming to Godzilla minus one. It was amazing. Dude, that is incredible. I've only heard good things, but that that sounds like serious next level. Yeah, it was like a temple of cinema. You know, going to Alamo Draft House, it was it was excellent. So, That's fucking awesome. um, yeah, next getting next time you're in my neck of the woods, we'll we'll head over. We'll I will totally do that. We'll, we'll get the we'll get the full experience or or anybody else. We should um, line those up. Yeah, no jokes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we had um yeah. we had flicks in Des Moines. Flicks does the same thing. It's I you know there's there's a conversation to be had here about like what's changed that we can't just go sit and watch a movie. It's not mm-hmm. going for us anymore. But I, I gotta say, I mean, the the dinner movie theater experience is a pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like I mean, the, like everything I want. Beer movie theater experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even you know, it's so frustrating when you finally do go out to your local theater and then just people ruin it or whatever, or even the screen is like not as good for whatever reason. Yeah, and you're just like, well, damn, I could have probably seen this better and been more relaxed and comfortable at home. Right. You know, so that, or even like, yeah, if you want to get food or something, so that, I mean, that sounds ideal. I, I mean, I think another part of that, that a, a, a part of the equation that I think people don't take into account really is that home, the good home theater systems are ridiculously cheap at this point. You can get like a massive TV for a few hundred dollars and then a sound bar, which is like good enough for most people. For you could probably get both those things for under five hundred bucks and then stream the movie for five dollars. It's like, you know, like why would I go out and yeah, you know, spend the money on the ticket and whatever? So I under I under, except for the biggest Avatar two, you know, like something that I need special glasses or they have a special projector to even show. Um, so yeah, I I understand that the common person doesn't feel the need to get out to the movie theater. Uh, but I will say for certain genres, I think it takes a lot of the fun out of oh. it, not being a communal experience. Like a horror movie on opening night in the theater is the only way to see a horror movie, in, in, in my opinion. That's right, Sam. Like our home experience is much better than it's ever been uh, for the price. And the price of movies, I think, probably discourages a lot of people. But there's something about the ritual of like going somewhere mm-hmm. being with other people. Oh, yeah. That is lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I mean, especially with horror movies, there's such a tangible feeling of tension rising in the theater. Yeah. Like as as somebody like walks into the room, and then like everybody kind of like releases together, well, and everybody jumps together. On my TV, I can pause the movie. I can turn the lights up. I can mm-hmm. turn the volume down if I'm scared. Mm-hmm. But in the theater, you you're just there. Yeah. Maybe there's an element of like seating control a little bit. Mm-hmm. We we did that. We talked about it on the podcast, but we went and watched that Thanksgiving horror movie of the theater, and I think it would not have hit the same at home. Just fun. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a fun time, and the audiovisual experience is so good. I mean, like wh- one thing about the Godzilla showing that I distinctly remember is like one, once the projector fired up, I was like. I don't know what the difference is, but this projector looks incredibly good compared to the ones that are in like Marcus theaters. Because right. when I go to when I go to a Marcus theater, like sometimes the projections all messed up, where there's like a bright spot in the middle of the screen, or there's like a dead pixel or something, or they haven't opened the curtain a hundred percent of the way, and like part of the movie is projecting onto the curtain. At the Alamo, it was bright and it was really crisp. And it was the loudest movie I've ever been in in my life. Oh, it was nice. like, 
ear-shatteringly loud. Like when Godzilla was like shooting off atomic breath everywhere, it was fucking painfully loud, but it was sick. See, even with me, like I just went to the Muscatine local theater and they have good theaters in there, especially the new one. But it's like they put it in the shittiest one. Because it's like almost there was like a screen bleed that was a little distracting, or maybe yeah. there was a light on behind the screen or some shit. Yeah. And it sounded like they didn't even have half the fucking speakers on, and they said it was like the yeah. Atmos mix. So that was disappointing. That's for me. Yeah. But yeah, the the technical aspect you got to get that right when you're running in the movie theater. I mean, like that's what people are really there for. Because if I if I would have had the option like to see it in like the XL or whatever they have, like I totally would have done it for that. But yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for Godzilla, for sure. Yeah, I think in our lifetime, the classic movie theater will probably really die out. In, in I favor feel of like it's bleeding out on the floor right now <laughs> a little bit. It should, it'll just go down to specialty cinema where it's like places like Alma where they show, show art house and old movies and yeah. like a premium kind of experience because the, the average person just doesn't give a shit. I'm sure there, there will be places. I, I recall in when I lived in Minneapolis, I think there's some like theater that only shows indie films, and I yeah. bet like that that'll that'll stay alive. But you know, it'll across America. You know, there used to be a movie theater in every town. And I gotta imagine that's getting really hard to see. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that most people are doing that. I mean, even just recently, the only movies that were really keeping those places open were marvel movies and now those movies aren't even doing as well because they are all on most of them are on disney plus so you know the box office on those isn't enough to sustain the theater so yeah who knows what's going to happen i mean people are getting their shit one way or another if it if it leads to a situation where the theaters that i'm going to are showing like weird art house shit or like older i love it when they like replay an older movie and they're showing it in the theaters again like I went and saw Jurassic Park in the theater. I went and saw Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theater up in St. Cloud. Um, just like by myself after work. It was an awesome experience. Love that. Um, Neil, I haven't heard from you in a while. I need you to tell me what the worst movie uh, theater experience you've ever had was. Uh, oh, gosh. Um, so at my previous job, we would sometimes take groups of kids to the movies as a reward. <laughs> And I I remember taking like five or six like twelve year old boys to the movie theater. What movie? Just you? Just, you? Just me. We, like like they they had like it was the I had three coworkers. One of them was sick, and the other two like took like one of them took like all the girls to go see another movie, and one of them took like the rest of the boys to see another thing that had earned the reward. So I got stuck seeing for context, Neil, how old are these kids? Like seventh grade, like 12 years old. Yeah. That, or I guess 12, 13 at that point, something yeah. like that. And. It, um, it was, it was some, like totally forgettable uh you know like movie about like uh a dog from the dog's point of view so like you you hear the dog's internal thoughts um and it was like very and like like not 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 that it was not that this is a bad thing but it but like it was also just like very pro veteran 
like 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 every every character was was a uh was a veteran of some kind and like they all had PTSD and like the dog was like partially a therapy dog. What the fuck is this? Is this, this, this Sergeant Stubby? No, no. Uh no. Is this Shaggy Dog with Tim Allen? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like it, no, it, it it was it was pretty low budget, like Mm. And like it was also like like the dog was like half pit bull or something, so like wasn't allowed in certain areas. To, like like you couldn't own this. Whose dog. movie is it? <laughs> I, 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 I want to say it was like a dog's journey. I don't know. Mm. Again, like just just like like it's I, not I've a dog's it. purpose, is it? No, I don't think so. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, there's a film here called A Dog's Journey. I'll. I'll I'll do some digging. This would have come out like 2012. No. 2019. 2019. Maybe. Um. But anyway, so like the movie wasn't great. The the this particular group of boys were like more rambunctious than others. You know, like you know, like they're they're just like shitty thirteen year olds. Like you know. Yeah. And this like. 17 or 18 there 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 are a couple of like 17 or 18 year old girls in the row ahead of us nice and one of them accuses one of the boys of like throwing popcorn in her hair like loudly and publicly and it's and like it, it gets to the point where like the the movie theater staff get called in and i'm just like like I, I, I know in my heart of hearts that the kid that she accused of doing this did did it. Oh God. But I have no proof. <sighs> That's so annoying. Like it's literally like because it's also like if it wasn't him, it was the kid next to her. Because the girl has popcorn in her hair and it's not like she's gonna throw popcorn in her own hair. Right, yeah. And and we were literally the back row. Like but so, but like so, on the one hand, they totally did it. They deny that they did it. I have to like justify like keeping us in the theater to the to the staff, and the kids are all angry at me because I didn't back them up. I'm like, you guys did it. I can't definitively prove that you did it, but it was you or a ghost. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and right. I, and I'm still deep in my atheist face, so I don't even believe in ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that just sucks, like, dude. So embarrassing and sounds so like my personal hell. God. Dude, I, say, uh, I, kid, was it Camus who said hell is other people? Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, I agree, <laughs> but I don't know who who the hell that is. Uh, I believe you mean Albert Camus. I'm, I'm Alex- sorry. I'm sorry, it was actually uh, John Paul Sartre. <laughs> when you said Camus, the first person that popped into my head was the great Gazoo from the Flintstones, that, that green alien. <laughs> well, let me say, yeah. Sam, to bring us back on topic, if you like Eraserhead, I think you'd love to read some Albert Camus. Dude, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to be reading these books out here. I don't, I don't know about you guys, I'm, me and Gideon are from Muscatine. We're not... <laughs> yeah, you like you like simple David Lynch films, and uh... <laughs> I I was joking with my girlfriend. I was like, imagine I obsess with this movie, and it becomes like my sleep movie. Like I'm going to bed. 
putting on a race ride every <laughs> fucking night. And then like we obviously break oh, up. And then yeah. they're like, you broke up with him over a movie? And she'd be like, have you seen Eraserhead? <laughs> like the whole thing? <laughs> like, yeah. Every night. Okay. So, uh, yeah, not to put the cart before the horse, but the main event this week is David Lynch's debut, 1977. Classic midnight movie. Um, to redefine the term cult film, uh, Eraserhead. Um, how to describe the plot of Eraserhead? It's basically about a guy who's got some pretty serious hangups about committing to a relationship, and he's it, like, "This is your um, this is this movie is your sleep paralysis demon if you've ever worried about accidentally knocking a girl up." Uh, it's it's Absolutely. about the anxieties of commitment and the the anxiety and the the fear of raising a child and the fear of um all of it comes along with that. Um, and it's, I think totally, uh, relatable fears, but anyway, um, yeah. So basically Jack Nance's character, Henry is kind of channeling Charlie Chaplin's the tramp first couple minutes of the movie, just stomping around a really awesome industrial wasteland, kind of like nine inch nails kind of vibe. Um, he's got, and the, the, I mean, the, the central core, plot of the movie is that he accidentally knocks up his girlfriend her parents force them to get married they are all living in his shitty one-room apartment in the post-apocalypse and then she just bounces and he's left to deal with the fact that he's got this weird goat baby uh thing in his apartment and then events transpire some are like dream sequences some are kind of out of dream sequences although the whole thing is so nightmarish that like, you know, it, it is a base level of weird, and then the dream sequences kind of go even weirder from there. Uh, my own personal history with this movie, I had just heard about it and seen the um, the poster, seen the image in a bunch of different places, and just kind of was um, morbidly curious um, and kind of was interested in just, like, seeking it out and checking it out. I'd heard so many good things about it. And... Um, it was my first David Lynch movie. I never saw Blue Velvet or Twin Peaks or anything before this, although I kind of I kind of knew of him. Um, watched it for the first time. And I remember like my first time through wasn't really like super enthralled with it. Like I didn't really like I didn't really get it at first. It didn't really like uh, some of it did, but some of it some of it didn't really stick with me. And I've, I saw it one time subsequently with my brother who fucking hates me now for watching this movie with him. And, um, but last night was the third time I've ever seen it. Um, poured myself a giant glass of, uh, heaven's door, uh, bourbon sat down at like midnight 30 and watched a razor head and just fucking laughed my ass off. And it was, it was awesome. But like, I don't know if it's like the time that I watched it or the fact that I was a little buzzed or what was going on, but I had a fucking awesome time watching this. I think this movie rocks. Um, and, but, but of course you guys already know how I feel about it. And, and I, I'm really interested to hear everybody else's reactions, even if they're super negative. Right. Cause I, I think I'm interested in, I'm more interested in picking movies that are, uh, polarizing and like create strong reactions than ones that are just like it was okay you know what i mean like i i hate watching movies that are like that um 
So the first person I want to hear from is Neil. I want to hear from you, um, kind of, you know, your first, your personal history, or if you knew about it beforehand, kind of what your initial reactions were. I'd love to get your take on how it compares to House um, and how it compares to The Lighthouse. Um, not, not, not that I actually think that this movie is similar to House, in, other than that it is weird, because I, I don't think they're that similar, but I do think it is more similar to, like, The Lighthouse. But I, I'd love to get your take on that. Okay, so um, I I knew this movie existed, um, and like I, I'd seen like screenshots and I'd seen like gifs or short clips. Like I've I've seen like the I feel like a madman describing anything in this movie, but I've seen like clips of like the girl in the elevator da- or not the girl in the, the girl in the radiator dancing. Yep. Um, I'd seen shots of the baby. Uh, but I'd never actually seen the movie all the way through up until now. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- I feel weird. I-, I feel like this is a cop out on some level, or, or I've been saying this too often. But this is like the third movie we've watched where I feel like it's beyond good and bad. Um, mm-hmm. wh- so on a technical level, like. I think this. I, I agree. This this oh, movie rocks. Awesome. Yeah. Like, just like just the the baby is like such a horrifyingly well done effect. Like the Anything. eye moving in it. Like that 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 thing is just like the greatest prop ever made. Um, I like when he turns around and he's like, "Oh, you are sick," and then it zooms in on the baby and he's like, uh, and, "You know," and he's got like all the zits and, and he's like there's shit coming out of his mouth i was like oh my god get that thing yeah. away from me yeah no like it, it like that's super well done um uh l- later in the movie there's a dream sequence where jack nance's character gets his head blown off and they, they're running around mm-hmm. with a prosthetic head that's not the greatest prosthetic head i've ever seen but it's okay yeah but but yeah like um I'm sure like David Lynch did like almost all of like the set scouting or location scouting for this movie. Cause mm-hmm. it's just like for what he's trying to portray, it's absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jack Nance, I, I, I know that he's a like longtime collaborator with David Lynch. Like he's in blue velvet in a bit role. He does like a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. And like b- between this movie and Blue Velvet, the man aged a ton. A lot of that has mm-hmm. to do with alcohol- alcoholism, I'm sure. Um, but I think he does a really great job of. Uh, it, it's it's sort of like a acting or like directorial style that I, I I'm sure there's a better term for it, but I call it like. Uh, pre- like precise imprecision, where mm. or precise awkwardness, where like. He's got his, his shoulders are super hunched. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's always like being very gentle with certain props because like he's almost afraid like he's gonna break them. It almost seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, like he was instructed to embody meekness or yes or weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like he's trying to like escape into his own chest almost. Can, can I tell you something funny about Jack Nance in this movie? Is um his hairdo in this movie, this, this movie was shot over five years because they kept running out of money. 
and they kept uh, like having to secure more funding. So Jack Nance kept his hair like that the entire time. That's dedication, dude. That's Jack great. Nance is a G for for doing that for David Lynch That's because fucking he, awesome. his the design of that character, including the hair, is perfect to this movie. Like I know you took a screenshot of the mushroom cloud photo behind um, his bed. And I'm, I don't know what the mushroom cloud means, but it does remind me of his hairdo a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway. But so, so again, like technical level and, and then also like the sound design is great. Yeah. Um, but. And so, and so this is where, like, I think you wanted me to compare it to. Um, uh, House, Hosu and the lighthouse. Mm. And I get your comparison um, but th- there are two separate comparisons in my mind. Okay. So the lighthouse, I think definitely steals, uh, inspiration from this as far as like, uh, you as the viewer questioning what's real and what's like a delusion or a fantasy of the people involved. Um, that like, I don't think either movie would work if they were in color. Uh, there's a lot of like thematic tones, that are, that are between the two. I think the isolation, yeah, is a big um, part of it. And then house because like these are both like experimental in their own way. Yeah. the The major difference between that separates house and the lighthouse from Eraserhead to me is that those two movies are meant for the audience. They might mm-hmm. have like deeper significance to uh, the, the directors and the writers, mm-hmm. but like they are meant to be consumed by a general audience. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Eraserhead is a movie that uh, Lynch made for himself. I like mm. so so like uh, to get really deep into something. Uh, there was a Roman emperor named Marcus Aurelius who uh, he, he, the, 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 there's a book of his writings that's like used in philosophy classes as mm-hmm. an example mm-hmm. of stoicism. But it's like literally his diary where like he never intended anybody else to read it. It's him like just saying, you know, fuck the haters. This is mm-hmm. what you need to focus on. It's like him like reinforcing to himself uh, what he has to deal with to be a good ruler. And it's not, me- it was never meant for general consumption. So like, mm-hmm. it's literally us reading the man's diary. Now. It's so dope that we even have that. Yeah. But it, it's like an accident that we have it. Like it, mm-hmm. it was never, it was never meant to be published. And to me, Eraserhead is something where David Lynch was making something that, unfortunately isn't quite the right word, but like, I don't think he really meant for it for anybody to ever watch it except for him. There, there there's mm-hmm. something in it that's just him. And mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think it, you or I will ever truly understand all the symbolism that's going on. Cause I don't think he wants to explain it. It's, it was something that he needed to get off of his chest. Yeah. You know, he, he made this movie for himself. I think, I don't think that, uh, yeah, it was meant for general consumption the way house and the lighthouse were. Yeah. That's a really concise way of explaining 
things I, I think things about the movie that I would have explained in a different way, but I think that's a that's kind of a good way of putting it. That's I think that's definitely like a really accurate um perspective. I think you're right that it is more of like singularly artful in like in its expression. It's a it's about like, hey, this is my vision. And if you relate to this and if this is you, great. But like I'm not gonna explain or make any attempt it is it's not a it's not a movie that seems very needy of its audience at all to say like oh this is gonna knock them dead i can't wait till they see this shit you know and i definitely agree with you that i think technically speaking this movie is almost unimpeachable i can't think of another movie that has a more coherent and excellent visual aesthetic in, in quite the same way that this does or um audio just audio visual the, the presentation as a whole is just awesome um like when when he sweeps the like the uh, the eraser shavings off the board and it, it up into the big cloud and then it's like right behind his head and it kind of like zooms in on just awesome stuff. Uh, Gideon, I want to go to you next, and then I want to I want to go to Alex Prince. Um. So for me, yeah, I'd never seen this movie. Thankfully, never had anything spoiled. Um. I'd always heard about it on various film YouTube stuff. Um. I'd never seen the baby at all. I'd <laughs> never seen. Uh, I basically just seen like uh, the poster and and kind of knew he was in this weird industrial shithole, basically. Um, and this is a movie I definitely have a love hate relationship with because mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm my biggest hate is gross, slimy things, as we know, is a big ache for me. And this is the gross, slimy thing movie. Yeah. And but I have a huge passion for sound design dark music dark ambient music and this is super dark ambient and i'm just like like yeah the 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 from the technical aspect it it rips so hard and goes so off the wall crazy where so many times i'm just like how was any of this made how does the baby and its eyes and all that work how does like this movie has the most beautiful transitions i've ever seen like you said with the eraser shavings and shit Mm -hmm. or even when you see the literal eraser heads coming out i was like it's literally an eraser head this is crazy Mm -hmm. but it is as beautiful in that dark way that i love as it is horrifically nightmarishly ghoulishly disgustingly ugly yeah and it makes it so hard you know like to recommend or even like what neil said like beyond good and bad it's like hard to rate this like i yeah, guess i, I would give it like a three out of five but mm-hmm. there's elements that are five out of five for me right. um i loved the guy's performance i loved uh just seeing how anxious and nervous he was he struck me as somebody one shot early on that really spoke to me is like when he was walking he steps in that puddle and then he continues to walk in this shitty, like, tire tread dirt. It's like, this is a man that doesn't know where he's going in life mm-hmm. and is not that aware of, like, almost, like, where what he needs to avoid, right? Mm-hmm. And I just, man, I don't know. There's a lot to unpack. I, I do want to mention about the atomic bomb picture. I think that represents permanent change and, like, his life blowing up by having a kid or something mm-hmm. like that. And, um, man, I don't know. I really, really like, yeah, all the 
the just like dark moodiness of just like yeah seeing the camera ominously staring at this radiator as it's like screaming at you or something like i'm all about some of that but man it was just so hard to watch with some of the nasty baby stuff dude did this movie look sick on the oled i bet that's what, the other thing I was going to say. I'm glad I was able to watch it, even just streaming, because sometimes streaming can be shitty or hit or miss. But this was such an OLED-ass movie and just so mm-hmm. gorgeous from that, especially, like I said, with some of those transitions. It was so cool watching it as just, if you like, like, I feel like for me, uh, almost like a gripe I have if you're talking with people that, you know, they like movies or whatever, and they say, like, oh, I can't do black and white movies. I'm like, why you know why yeah. can't you just try it it's, you it's know? gorgeous and and yeah it, i feel like black and white movies if, if somebody is doing it in black and white they probably know what they're doing with like lighting or something hopefully mm-hmm. and it usually yeah is just beautiful and it's beautiful in a different way that color is obviously but yeah. i i almost feel like black and white make forces you to focus more um, it, black and white definitely has a different um, well, I mean, it sounds so obvious to say that it has a different aesthetic to it because, I mean, obviously it's a black and white, so color. And and I think that some movies release like a black and white version of it and they were like, oh, this is the way it's intended to be seen and it's total bullshit. Like, I don't, I don't like the black and white cut of Mad Max Fury Road at oh, all. Really? I think that that movie, like, one of the greatest things that, about that movie is the color. And there are, there are shots in the movie that don't make any sense without the color. Right. Like there's a part where before you know that he's like hooked up as a blood bag, it zooms in on a chain that has like the blood piping wrapped around it. And on black and white, it doesn't read as blood piping because it isn't it isn't red. It takes a few minutes before you connect it that it's like, granted, you might have already seen the movie before. It probably, you know, if you're the guy out there buying this special edition that's in black and white. But I don't know. Sometimes I think that like. If if you're gonna, I think black and white is awesome, but I think you got to like start with that in mind, and you got to make the movie with that in mind because sometimes color gives the viewer particular information that's important, and sometimes when you take that out, there can be something sort of lost in translation. Um, yeah, super glad that you zoomed in on the the technical aspect. Now, uh, last but certainly not least, I want to get to Alex Prince's take on this movie. Let it let it rip, man. say 24 hours has a way of softening my feelings a little bit mm-hmm. um i accept you know that not every movie has to entertain me and i draw a distinction between this and a recent film we watched leaving las vegas leaving las vegas was similarly a, a hard recommend but i mm-hmm. cannot deny it was an excellent film i think one difference is that leaving las vegas is still trying to entertain you you know, and this gets back to what Neil was saying, but I guess something I just have to accept is that like David Lynch doesn't really care if he entertains me, at least not in Eraserhead. Maybe arguably he does in some of his other films, mm-hmm. but, but this isn't really about me, you know, or, or entertaining me or making me feel any particular way except disgusted, uh, grating. The audio is like, you know, it's it's like an hour and a half of assault on your senses. Yeah, it's oppressive. To that extent, you cannot deny that David Lynch has perfectly executed a vision here. Yeah. 
you know, the problem is I don't like his vision at all. <laughs> it's like negative ASMR the movie. <laughs> I, 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 I think it. I think something that all of us have touched on and I think would come to consensus kind of through all of our opinions if you kind of like Voltron them together is that in a movie like this where I mean it, it does have a plot but it does not have a traditional it's not a traditional A, B, C kind of plot structure kind of a movie um, and it's very avant-garde in, in a movie like this I think how you react to it and like if you enjoy it or you don't enjoy it or you would you like it or you don't it kind of depends more on you than on the movie itself. Does that make any sense? Like, I like this movie because I really strongly relate to everything that goes on in this movie, except for one sequence, which I'm totally baffled by, and I would be curious to hear your guys' takes on that particular sequence. But there's so much of this movie that hits so close to home I'm for me. I'm power washing. Oh, you want to turn that down a little bit? They're getting some power washing. Um, where there, there's so much shit in this movie that is so particularly um, relatable for, for, for me and along with the, the technical aspects of the movie that I really, really like that I, I can't help but just really, really love it. And I think, I think there's some shit in this movie that is like, I don't say gut-bustingly funny because it's, it's just not that kind of a movie, but really makes me laugh. Um, the only scene that qualifies there, and I think it's the one you're talking about, is the one with the dad. And Mary's dad is a fucking dad is the savage. He's the best NPC in the whole movie. Oh, he dude. So much he's, NPC energy, yeah. He's every girl's dad that I've ever had to go over for the first dinner, like the first time we meet the folks and we all have dinner together, and he's talking about his arm and how it doesn't work, and oh, what the hell do they know? And that that character is so perfect. So, so tell me about the scenes that really disgusted you. Me? Yeah. Oh, man. Look, part of this is like the mood I'm in. I watched it at the end of a long day. I, I don't yeah. want to, you know, I think you could maybe approach this if you had a, differently, if you went in with the mindset, like, I'm ready for whatever Dave, David Lynch has to, let's start calling him Dave Lynch, whatever he has to throw at me. David um, Lynch. Yeah, little Davy Lynch. Um, Davey, yeah. You know, and and I just like I think the scene you reference where the where he says like oh you really are sick I just it's like what am I doing like I don't want to I gotta go to bed after this and get a normal like seven hours of sleep you know and um, yeah I, I I mean his goal is obviously to disgust you so I can't just sit here and say like oh I didn't like it it was disgusting he wanted to do that to me right. You know, yeah, you know, it reminds me of Roger. You used to talk about how the measure, like the way he thought about reviews and criticism, was like how close did the director get to what they in to the movie that they set out to make? Like, how close are they to their own intentions? It's so unusual because if I think about the thing, uh, which we watched not too long ago, which is a beautiful Mm. film, I was thinking it has some pretty disgusting imagery. The thing sort of earns it, you know, mm-hmm. and it makes sense thematically. And I, you just have to accept that this is a different kind of film. I'm obviously not super versed in that. Yeah, and and David I was yeah. He just disgusts you 
front to back. He discussed your eyes. He discussed your ears. And I think in some ways he like discussed your moral sensibilities as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like the, one of the most disgusting things in this movie is like the inner thoughts of Henry. Right. And the things that what his dreams reveal about his own personality. And through that, we learn what kind of a person David Lynch is in, in his internal life. And I think that to me is what is really strong and really particularly brave about this movie is that it is a confession by the director, but it's not a confession in a way where it's like, wow, look at how smart and great I am on the inside. It's like, no, look at how much I really desire to like leave my wife and child I'm and leave my responsibility. I'm a, I'm a child. I'm a little boy on the inside and I can't accept my responsibilities. Right. I mean, can I just interject? Like, I, I, I had a different interpretation than that because, sure. uh, I mean, a this movie just made made me like hate women. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, like every every female character is not nice in a variety of ways. Um, but like up until the end. Like it, it, I, I guess my interpretation was that Henry isn't like not willing to accept his responsibilities. You know, he lasts a heck of a lot longer than his wife. But it, it, it's it's more that he, uh, never make he he didn't make like an active choice in any of like the situations up until the very end. It's like it, it's not that he, uh is trying to avoid responsibility he's trying to avoid having to make a choice like he, he he's a very passive protagonist mm-hmm. yeah and i think gideon spoke to that passivity a little bit earlier as well i do want to touch on one thing um just about henry he he just always felt to me very trapped in his whole situation and everything but and this whole movie is so sexual and about like babies and shit, yeah. shit like that. And even like when she is like trying to get her suitcase, I was like, the director is showing what it was like to have sex with this woman. Like mm-hmm. when, when yeah. she's trying to get the suitcase out, I was like, we're having sex with this woman right now mm-hmm. as Henry. And that was like terrifying. And then that's also know, the opening shot too, where it like when God pulls the lever and the the sperm like falls out of the sky and like lands in the weird pool of liquid. That's like that's watching Henry impregnate Mary at the beginning of the. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I didn't even think about that. I, I I realized like the baby was from him and stuff. But even like when his head popped off, it was almost like like literally a dick. Like he's thinking with his mm-hmm. dick, and yeah. it is literally killing him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I was thinking about with that yeah. sequence and even like him falling into that pool with the, that his like neighbor or whatever that he's. Yeah. The Isabel wrestling across the hall. So that is something that I wanted to touch on too. something I didn't, this is the first time seeing a racer since I've watched blue velvet. And I didn't realize initially how much the lady across the hall in this movie looks like Isabella Rossellini. And by extension, how much Mary looks like Laura Dern. Like clear, clearly, David Lynch has a some ideas about 
Bad, like, bad girls have dark black hair and good girls have uh yeah light yeah exactly. not platinum blonde more like a sandy blonde like uh -huh. country... is mary a good girl though no you're, you're 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 right neil because she just like she's like i'm gonna go stay with my parents and then just like bounces to another country or I mean, naive <laughs> naive girlish girls versus uh, right i mean it's supposed to be like the innocent kind of like it's like the girl you're supposed to be with and it, like the oh, girl that it's, it's not not for me right it, it's the girl that david lynch feels that he is expected to be with versus the girl that he actually wants which is the lady across the hall and the girl in the radiator i don't read as being like a third option in that at all like the girl in the radio radiator is the art life like him abandoning his responsibilities and just falling into being a complete artist. And if you know anything about David Lynch's personal life, I mean, he's been married and divorced like four times because his, all his ex-wives are like, yeah, the only thing he cares about is the art. And that that's him embracing the radiator uh, lady in the very last shot of this movie. That It's him being like, yeah, fuck all that family stuff. I'm, I'm doing weirdo shit. Mm, interesting. That's, I was going to ask at the end. That's kind of what I... I don't want to say that I, I mean, I don't want to say that I respect it, but I appreciate that that ugliness is on display. And he like can confess that about himself. I think that, I think that that's awesome. Interesting. I like a little differently is more like death or annihilation or something. Or mm -hmm. just, I don't know. Look at, the, to me, the strongest clue to that interpretation, to not, not the yours is wrong, but to my own interpretation is that like the first time we see the lady in the radiator, she's stomping out sperms, and she, she she's like, "There's no babies around here. You don't have to worry about that with me, dude. Just come on in. The water's fine. In heaven, everything is fine." Um, Another like very subtly disturbing presentation, but I that's probably I did my not favorite. Like to look at her face. Oh, I didn't. I didn't like looking at her face or her stomping on the gross, squishy stuff. Yeah, I think. I think that is singularly probably my favorite scene in the movie. Um, aside from the chickens uh, menstruating on the dinner table, which I also, I also horrifying. think was, that was super awesome. Um, and then like just the mom being like, blah, 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 like <laughs> across the table fucking yeah. cracks me up. Can, can, can I, can I, can I pause it that whatever was wrong with that baby was not Henry's fault. Like all the women in that family had something bad going on. Oh Yeah. There was something wrong with all of them. I love, I love how they just gave Grandma a cigarette and just let her chill in the kitchen or wherever the hell she is. Pretend I, to I, mix up the, the salad or whatever it was. I, I need to, before we go too far, um, I just wanted to mention when, I, so I was like really in, I was like, oh, this intro is sweet, the fucking post-apocalyptic, the weird dark ambient, the cool like, yeah, Prometheus or whatever the fuck with the levers and the that guy's, that guy's I'm awesome. like yeah. I'm all in I'm all in I'm all in and they're like and then it's like horrifically gross baby and I'm like God damn it I'm like I was loving this and now it's like D -d -d -d. like it, it just brought it down for me a bit but uh I do feel like uh just especially after watching it and thinking about it I probably will revisit this and just it almost makes me want to like have like the criterion so I can like listen to commentaries and nerds talk about it and explain it and just like give me more backstory because it it is fascinating 
like because it is weird for 1977 and i wonder who the fuck was like you want to go see that new Eraserhead? and then they you know a date or whatever and they're like what in the fuck was oh that? i'm it's, sure it's this still extremely weird for 2023 which is crazy you know it's almost 50 years old i i wonder how many people went on a date on accident to see this and there you know the guy leans over to say he's like when's a racer head gonna kill somebody you know and and then they've like fucking got divorced or like they broke up and never <laughs> you oh, know what i mean God. like how many yeah. people's lives did this don't uh, you think movie you achieved his anti-natalist goals at that point you're gonna have to explain that one to me oh he just uh, anti-natalist uh not wanting people to have kids oh yeah yeah, maybe I, I yeah, suppose I guess this movie is banned in Japan. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> um, okay, so the one sequence that I don't have a good read on, and I actually think is like, well, I guess it wouldn't seem overly long if I could like parse what it's supposed to mean. But the the, the sequence that I'm calling into question is the one where his head pops off, and the kid finds it, and then they turn it into. I mean, they turn it into erasers, thus eraser head. Um, I don't understand what this whole scene is supposed to be about at all, but it must be important, right? Because this, the, it's where the name of the movie comes from. I will also say the guy buzzing the thing for like 15 seconds before his boss comes out and yells at him really made great. me laugh. But cool. does anybody else have a... Re- what, what does he say? That's enough, Paul! Or... Um, that yeah, seemed totally. to be a welcome reprieve from the oppressiveness of the rest of the film. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. If nothing else, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of goofy," you know. Yeah. Is it not just to like drive home the metaphor of the eraser head that he's like destroying himself and becoming a father? Is that what the metaphor? I mean, is that what the metaphor is? I'm, That's I'm how not I understand sure. eraser head, but I don't know. You I know, was. Are you go ahead, Neil? Um, I was going to say, I, I got a similar vibe to Alex where I feel like um, it's like a representation of him being used up. Like, he, mm. like he, he's, he's on, he's, they keep saying he's on vacation from work, whatever that means. But, uh, like, even when he's not working, he's still being consumed by aspects of his life. Hmm. I almost uh, read it as like he, so like his, you know, I had talked about earlier about um, like thinking with his dick and his head popping off or whatever and, and kill him. But with that sequence of where he's get, literally getting his head drilled into, it's like, he's like, you need to dig and drill into your head and think how do I reset myself and what do I want to write down? You know, like something like that. Um, mm-hmm. That's because like, even how he was like testing it and everything. And then the, when the eraser shavings um, kind of almost like formed the image of Henry, it's like that to me felt like almost like that atomic bomb thing where it's like, I'm resetting. This is a permanent change and I'm done with I guess the family life or whatever. Um, and I'm going to do something else. Mm. Um, favorite sequences in the movie. What come? what comes to mind for you guys? The only one I like is the dad, the sequence in the, <laughs> the 
Yeah, just cut them up like regular chickens. They're these new chickens. They're smaller. What, what, what they're man he, says, he says they're man-made. It's like, what? What does that mean? Probably it's just like the exact kind of like capitalist commercial nonsense that we are so desensitized to. I don't know. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. A tiny man-made chicken. Yeah. I don't know. They perfect that that guy was so perfectly written and cast as like every Midwestern dad I've ever met while trying to like meet some girl's family and sitting down to dinner. And like, I don't know. It's just do you think this thing is like essentially anti anti Western, anti family, anti capitalist? Like Oh no, no, I don't I don't I don't read Neil, do you get my reading at all? I, I, I don't know that he's trying to be that way, but I think that you know. Yeah, I, I I think there's probably some element of it in there. I, I don't think that's like the driving force, but I think it is like the whole thing's a critique of like work to support your nuclear family. You know, that's not what David Lynch wants. David Lynch didn't want this baby. He wants to go make art. And I think it's less about the work and more about the baby. It is like well, but but think about how depressing his whole environment is. Yeah, and, yeah. and like it's so like oppressive and suffocating, and yeah. and like I I was gonna I was gonna start off. I forgot to mention. I was like, is this a documentary about like South End? Like, what is this? <laughs> I do think it's about a rejection of the baby, Sam. But I think, moreover, it's a rejection of the family as evidenced by Mary's family because he's mocking mm. that family throughout the whole sequence. Mm. That's that's my view. That's interesting. I didn't re- I didn't read it like that, but but don't yeah, you think I... he's in front of the dad? He's they, they have a terrible they, the the mom and the daughter barely get along. The family can't communicate with each other. I don't know. I get the feeling that. Much like when we were watching Raising Arizona, you get the feeling that while other directors would have made everybody in that movie into a Southern stereotype, I mean, and everybody in Raising Arizona is a Southern stereotype. The difference is the Coens are so good that they they make you like them and you get the sense that they really like them as well, just like they like the characters in Fargo. Um this is more I, like an Iron Belt stereotype or something. I, I get, yeah, but I get the feeling that David Lynch likes the dad in this movie. Like, doesn't, and I don't know if he doesn't like the mom or the daughter, but I think he's just so awkward and I think he's so, like, in his own head and just so nervous and, like, people that he doesn't like, Sam. I think it's he rejects the people are broken by the institution of, like, marriage and family. Yeah, I, I I don't think that it's a matter of liking the dad. Sim. There's a, there's a shot where you're you're in Henry's head, and you're looking at the dad. And dad's just got this like blank That's what I'm gonna be smile, <laughs> and then it, and then over his shoulder is Mary crying. Mm. Like I I don't I don't think it's I I think you're misreading that personally. I I don't think that, okay. Like and like the and the, but there's I, the whole thing to show you like this is what. This is what oh God, what Henry will become if he has this baby. Yeah, that's that's true. That's that's interesting. I... Do you get that, Neil, or is, is that part of? I don't know. Maybe I mean, like I, I, I do feel like again, just like to keep piling on the dad. Like there's like the cuckold moment where Mary's mom tries to start yeah. kissing Henry. Like I, I wasn't entirely sure what was going on there, but I, I, I think that the 
dad is like a subject of like pity and contempt. Right, because she was even like, Bill, 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 like, shut up. Basically. When it came to the mom making out with Henry, that's where I like drew the line. I'm like, you have to stop interpreting this. This is just some David Lynch shit. <laughs> There's no actual yeah. thing there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I, I agree that like not everything is. That means something super deep. Like, but I also don't think it is the viewer's job to actively pursue interpretation, right? Like when things jump out at you and say, and you say like, oh, that's something relatable or that's something that makes sense to me emotionally. That happens like pretty naturally without a whole lot of like thought or effort, in my opinion. Like, but there's a ton of shit in this movie that is clearly supposed to mean something that I have no idea what the hell it means. Um, like, the thing that he gets in the package in the mail, this like this little worm that he's keeping secret yeah. from, um, from Mary, or like the weird plant next to his desk that's not in a pot at all. It's just this right. like, fucking pile of dirt and a twig coming out of it. I'm like, the hell is going and on with this thing? Don't they make a bigger model of that in the theater? Right? They wheel that out later or something. I think in the. Th- Theater in like, like the radiator theater, theater, yeah. In, in uh, later yeah, on in the movie, I think you're right. I mean, also, Mary's house has like piles of straw, like, th- th- or yeah, that like grass like, I... or whatever the hell that is. Yeah, like, I'm not even gonna like pretend. I don't to know what's going on with that. he's doing there, but it reminded me of the beginning of uh, Blue Velvet, where we zero- zoom in on the dirt and the worms. Like, he has some fascination mm. with dirt, and yeah. Here. Outside, yeah. the the a lot of the visual design of this movie. Do you guys remember um, Isabella Rossellini's apartment and the design, like the visual design of that apartment in Blue Velvet, with like the checkered floor, where like at the very end of the movie, there's the two dead bodies. You know what I'm talking about? Mm, I think so. That yeah. this movie reminds me a lot of that scene and the scene in Blue Velvet where um, the guy is mock singing. In dreams by Roy Orbison, like when all the weird people are standing around and not doing anything. Is what I'm talking about? Okay, well maybe it's just me, but I don't know. Um, definitely a mood piece. Definitely a movie that I'd love to. You crack open a cold one with the boys at like midnight and just watch this weird freak show midnight movie. Like, can you imagine like being alive in the '70s and like sneaking a bunch of low and brows into like? Would you rather just watch that Arnold Schwarzenegger like action movie we watched? Why? Why not just watch a fun movie? That's good? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine too. Sometimes, but sometimes what, you want to get weird with it, you know? You yeah, wanna, you gotta get weird with the boys, dude. You want to get loaded and watch this some crazy? We all naked, but like seated a foot apart. <laughs> yeah, uh, you gotta some, some some days you gotta do some DL with the boys, you know. I want to rapid fire some of my favorite shots before yeah, we cl- yeah. wrap up. Um, loved the one shot where Henry's walking. I loved a lot of the intro stuff, like the whole walk sequence, but um, specifically where he's like walking by and it's like those windows you see of that building and it's just like a profile shot. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the shot where like Henry and Mary are in bed and he's looking at the back of her head and it's yeah. like, it, it looks like a whole like, ocean of desert of this like just blanket tapestry like it was really intricate like i feel like i could stare at just all the i don't know it just felt like there was a lot of detail in that and then i think the most beautiful scenes in the whole movie was when he's like 
talking to the neighbor he's like kind of like pining for and you see her face and everything Mm -hmm. compared to his i was like i've never seen more beautiful black and white anything than Mm -hmm. right now happening yeah Uh, um and yeah all the transitions are really cool like liquid going in reverse or the eraser head shavings or whatever Mm -hmm. um loved loved all that stuff getting have you ever seen casablanca not yet. Uh, I really oh, want okay. to. Um, I asked for it. For black and white. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm excited. Well, the the nice thing about black and white movies is that being shot on film, most of them, film, if you compare the resolution to like digital cameras, is like oh, beyond yeah. 8K in terms of resolution. So they're incredibly crisp to watch, even on uh, modern televisions and everything. So. So, you know, we could we could definitely delve more into black and white. We'll do that with Seven Samurai, certainly. I'm sure that the mm-hmm. the criterion cut of that movie is absolutely uh, stunning. Um, I can speak to a couple of different favorite shots and sequences. Um, that's a good one you pulled, Gideon, with the, the, the I love the love scene with the radiator or with the um, woman across the hallway. Um, I think that one is really good. And they like both melt into that pool. On that um, note, I mean, that's the only scene or image that is not intended to be repulsive in this whole film, is the stuff between her and him. Yeah. I, yeah, that's certainly true. Um, I, I love the stuff. I love the radiator. Yeah, go, go, go. Just staring oh, the at radiator. the radiator. Not oh. in the radiator, just the radiator. Like, staring yeah. at it, I was like, this looks fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of... It kind of reminds me of like weird not i wouldn't even say dreams but like things that you're thinking about when you're falling a bed uh, falling asleep as like a little kid and you're like staring at whatever's on your wall and the way that henry like stares at the radiator sometimes and just imagines like what's going on in there i remember having thoughts like that when i was like a little kid um not of some creepy bitch like stomping out spermazoids or whatever she's doing in there but i i love that shit um i really love the image of the scarred like alien man that's like cranking the levers and the sparks are fucking flying out of there. Or that shit is great. And I know you guys hate it. I love the baby in this movie. I think that baby is awesome looking. I have no idea how they made it. Is it a it's goat crazy. fetus? Yeah. It's it's we not a puppet. Like the the scene that always stands out to me is where he cuts it open finally, like cuts the bandages oh, open and and it just like <laughs> like a mashed potato kind of. And yeah. then it just like starts pulsating like what is how did they do that and how did they get yeah. the goo to start shooting out of it um Where that whole got that image in his mind you know the closest thing in my mind is et mm-hmm. but it, is, right. it doesn't really look like that either except for the elongated neck he, he probably like straight up, i feel like he probably just saw premature babies right you know mature baby looks like well i don't know just like you know him being so afraid of babies i i don't know but I it looks no a little bit like a spermazoid too i mean the yeah sperm too the the head i read a thing. little bit they said it might have been a rabbit carcass with the fur removed jesus Christ. yeah but then like how did, i wonder how they puppeteered it right because they were getting oh, it to like yeah. open his mouth and, and the eyes moving and, and, and to, to this to this day, they've never David Lynch has never revealed what it was or how they did any of that stuff with this movie. Really? Holy shit. Probably for the best. I don't want to know. That was actually just his firstborn son and they <laughs> killed him for the movie. The the noises that the baby makes are the noises his baby daughter Jennifer was making 
That's fucking uh, like crazy, they, they record they recorded he recorded his daughter, his baby daughter, and those are the those are the cries. Yeah. Why would you put that on a little baby, man? That's fucked up. <laughs> that is fucked. Although you know, I was reading she directs films now. Did you know that? Right. Yeah. I don't. I. I don't know if she, I, she's not a well-known director. I don't think, but just simultaneously the most disturbing moment in the film, but also the one where I was like, okay, he kind of like is doing something here, and I started to flip my feelings. Was at the end when he commits infanticide and stabs his baby and its tiny little exposed organs. I was like, and when he does whatever like scientific experiment he does to get all that foam to like emerge from it i was like okay okay accurate moment okay here we go good right that's off to you mr lynch yeah and w- sure. what did that like egg thing mean or whatever the hell it was because you see at the beginning and the end right because isn't that like right after the foam yeah it like the the head gets they have like a giant paper mache version of the head that doesn't look oh, super it, good yeah it's coming uh, at him he can't escape it mm-hmm. Right, and it like fucking explodes and does all this crazy shit. I don't really know what that that planet is. That planet thing is supposed to be. Yeah. No, I um, Neil, I saw I saw your thing light up. I just wanted to check in, make sure you didn't have anything to add. No, uh, I just wanted to again, like the the one thought I have is like about the the baby prop, whatever it was, is like it's just a question of like if it was organic in nature, and this film took five years. Like, did they just shoot all of that at once? Like, I don't know. It's it, that's there's a, good just point. a lot going on like, again. Like, I um, but one other thought I had was uh, Alex brought up the thing, mm-hmm. and I know John Carpenter like makes his own music now, like, that's what he does rather than directing for the most part. And this is this would probably turn into like some sort of monkey's paw wish, but I want to hear a music collab between David Lynch and John Carpenter now. Yeah. Mm. There's there's a really funny image of um, David Lynch hanging out with Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails that I it looks it looks like the cover of like the hardest rap album you've ever seen in your life. I'll you got, I'll, you gotta I'll, post that. I'll, I'll post it as soon as we're done here, guys. Um, awesome. Neil, any favorite scenes or any standout scenes you want to call out before we wrap it up? Um, a lot of the same stuff that you guys covered. Uh, I will say that the early sequence of uh, the of him cutting into the little chicken, like that, in the, that's a case where, like, I feel like I kind of know how they did it, but it's still just like it's it's almost cute, like if it wasn't so gross. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed understanding. Like, okay, I understand how this practical effect works, and then later in the movie, like, oh, I don't know how this practical effect works at all. Yeah. So let's go around and let's give it um, out of four stars. I should say that I think at the beginning of next year we're going to switch over to a five star system because it lines up with box um, better and it's going to be easier to track i think and i i don't think having more room on the scale would necessarily be a bad thing because i do feel a little bit cramped um at times especially because we're is it forces you to say whether something is more good or more bad the odd number gives you the cop-out rate yeah yeah that's interesting we can we can talk about it it's your but but especially if you cut if you cut into halves yeah you know things you know so halves kind of mess with that but um, 
I would go for I I think this is a four star movie um uh, based on my own kind of criteria for what I want to see out of movies like I want to see people fucking bleed for their art and that is you know what this movie is a gazillion percent um I totally understand people who are like you know what this isn't for me this isn't the kind of movie I want to watch I don't want to I just want to you know I don't I'm here for a good time not for a long time I totally I totally understand that and I totally respect that and I I don't mean that in like a snooty elitist kind of way but as long as we're in the arena of art movies I think this is a awesome one it's got an just a, a totally sick aesthetic audio visual presentation that is fantastic what it lacks in like moment to moment pacing and plot and things like this it makes up for in pure style like that's exactly what i would have said about something like blade runner right like i don't know i i just think it's such a strong movie and i really respect any time that an artist is like oh no 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 guys here's how shitty of a person i am enjoy like i just i love that and i envy that ability to like really put it all out there and put it on the line and be like yeah i'm fucked up and i have all these horrible thoughts about my wife and daughter and i i i just think it's a um i just i think it's very strong in that element so um neil let's hear your uh let's hear your wrap up and your your final thoughts yeah like i i i think i have to give this like a grudging for uh, like on on a technical level, it's just so good. Um, it, it, but yeah, it's like a four with an asterisk of like, unless you're hosting a movie podcast or if you want to, you know, do practical effects for the movies. I can never, I could not think of anybody I would ever recommend watching this movie. But. But yeah, like it, it is. It, it's ex. I, I feel like it's exactly what David Lynch wanted it to be. I don't think there's anything that can be changed to make it, uh, quote unquote, better. Sorry, I forgot to unmute myself there. Okay, Gideon, let's hear it, man. All right. Um, for me, I. It it is hard to not give it a four just from technical aspects, but I'm gonna give it a three for my personal rating, three out of four stars. Um, because while there is plenty I like and plenty I'm all about, uh, the grossness <laughs> definitely brings it down a notch. Um, but I will always think about this movie, and I'm happy that I watched it. I'm happy I experienced it, and I'm sure I'll probably revisit it over the years. Maybe not as frequent as other movies. Um, but it's still just so insane how old this is for how weird it is for how technically like off the charts they go with everything. Um, and yeah, it is a very niche specific, um, with lots of like, yeah, asterisks or like warnings before I would recommend this to anybody. I'd be like, you better be ready for the weirdest movie you've probably ever seen yeah absolutely but if, you, if you want to 
weird, then here you go, man. There's a platter of weird. Mm-hmm. So it was okay. it was interesting. Yeah. Last but not least, Alex Princeton, let's hear it, man. It's so tough. Um, there's some technical. I, I do agree that it is almost an impossible movie to give a rating to. It's well, yeah. How do I? How can I give a four star to a film that I never want to watch again, and I would never recommend to anybody? Right. Uh, right. I agree uh, with you guys that it is an impossible movie to recommend. Like you have to know somebody inside and out before you're like even like you recommended it to all of us. Well, Uh, I recommended it in the context of we're all watching, we're we're all doing a podcast. Not only did you recommend it, but you compelled us to watch it using your (laughs) immense power. Um, (laughs) uh, So here's the thing: he does a lot well, very technically, but I'm actually, I think, like if you peel that back, so he executed this perfect. Perfect vision. Is it an entertaining vision? Did I learn anything? Uh, did he tell a compelling story? And I don't know. I think like you can kind of hide something behind its obscureness and artsiness. And I'm not sure that when you peel it all back, I agree that like it's brilliant or that he says anything. Or I don't know. We can we can take issue with that. Uh, I gotta give it a three. Borderline three and a half for me. I mean, there's something here. Yeah, I mean, we we could debate that forever, right? Like, I, I think Neil actually nailed it in terms of saying, like, the difference between a movie that is intended for an audience and a, and a movie that is intended to be an artistic he's not expression to, of the inner life. He's not right. trying to entertain me, and he did not entertain me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I do want to touch on one thing about that, um, you know, making it for himself or whatever. Um, I do think also, just from what little I've heard and stuff, David Lynch seems like the type of guy that gets off on being, like, mysterious and vague and stuff with, like, the withholding information about how behind the scenes or whatever. But also just, like, he's like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this movie. Like, nobody has ever done a movie because... That's how I can do it. And nobody's ever seen anything like how I can do it. Like, almost like, uh, it's like I could feel a sense of arrogant pride come through in a way, you know, to a degree. But it's just interesting. Like, he, he he's very funny. There's a, um, he's such, I, so I, I would, I totally understand when people are like, because there, there are artists, like earlier I mentioned Darren Aronofsky in the uh, chat. Who I, I think are this way. Darren Aronofsky is the person that, that you are talking about, where it's like he's a filmmaker that makes like obscure, weird metaphorical films that are very like, in my opinion, self-masturbatory. And maybe we could do a month on him somewhere down the line. I'd be willing to dive into that. David Lynch definitely does like really hardcore avant-garde art films, but when you watch interviews with him and stuff, he's very I don't know how to describe it other than saying like he's very Eagle Scouty. He's very like 1950s. He says like peachy keen and he says, oh, golly gee, that's awesome. Not that that I suppose that doesn't really make somebody, you know, like an Eagle Scout or whatever. But he's very interesting. Like you wouldn't expect these kinds of movies to come from this guy. Like his whole his whole writing process on Mulholland Drive was going to the same Bob's Big Boy 
hamburger restaurant at the same time every day for months. And he would go explicitly at the time that it was slow so that the milkshakes that would come out of the machine were particularly thick. And then he would sit there and drink milkshakes and coffee. And like, and he, that's how he wrote the entire script for Mulholland Drive. Wow. He David, also... David. Go, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that he also has a YouTube channel where every day, every yeah, day yeah, for years, he pulls a lucky number out of a, on, on a ball out of a jar. And that's today's lucky number. And then he also does the weather. Mm-hmm. You know, and th- every video is like a minute long, and he's been doing it for like years and years and years. Um, I do just love that. A really interesting character. I'll send you guys more on him. Um, I have seen interviews and stuff. Go ahead. Sorry. You, you go ahead, Alex. Oh, it's okay. Is it possible that David Lynch is masturbatory too? He just doesn't know he's jerking himself off. <laughs> it's po- I mean, I suppose anything's possible. I, I, I will say, I've seen more interviews and like just him talking and things before I had ever watched any of this stuff because mm-hmm. I had started with blue velvet and then this is the only other thing I watched with his. Yeah. The thing so, is I love twin peaks. So I don't right. know what changed between now and that, you know, twin peaks strikes me as much more polished and a little more. Well, twin peaks, there's more cooks in the kitchen, you know, there's like more people to, I think clamps, it works so well. It and clamps it down on his weirdness. You get a diet version of his weirdness that is more mitigated by other factors that were willing to tell him no. You get a lot of weirdness. It's like paced a little smarter, I think. And uh-huh. I don't know. It turns his weirdness into like the crux of the world instead of like an oppressive overwhelm. I don't, I don't know. Anyway. We can... Yeah. Well, I'm thrilled with how this episode went. I had a good time, guys. Thanks for playing yeah. along. Thanks for watching such a fucked up weird art movie. Neil, I know you're a version of body horror. I thank you for sticking through this one. Um, so, so can I just say that like I was initially reluctant to ever watch this because I like again I'd heard of it. I was sort of aware of it and people said it was body horror. Mm-hmm. And it did not like trigger my flight or flight response the way some other movies have. That's good. Right. Same. Um, I also have an aversion to body horror. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll we'll get there, guys. But yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Hopefully everybody had a good time. I'm excited to talk about Blade Runner next week. We got the holidays coming up. We got In Bruges coming up. Two total classics. Um. I'm gonna be sticking around. Uh, I'm gonna hop off video, but I'll stick around at the Discord a little bit just for to hang out. I think my brother's gonna hop in for a little bit. We're gonna play some WoW, but um, I'll get Craig out of here and we'll. We'll wrap up the podcast for this week. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys.